What's up, everyone? We're back for another week of Locked On Bucks, and it was a strange weekend for Milwaukee. We had so much fun last week, beating the Sixers, beating the Nets, Giannis creating history, and then they gave up 153 to the Clippers and then lost to Dallas and Jason Kidd. And by the way, Dallas has been a bit of a bogey team for the Bucks over the last few years. There's no doubt about that. So we're going to get into this Dallas game, and of course, we're going to get into where the standings are at because they have changed Again, but there's only a couple of games left until the postseason, so we're starting to look ahead to that, including a couple of big games against Eastern Conference teams this week. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. You can see and hear me on the show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, as he so often does on a Sunday evening from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. For today's episode that is brought to you by Bet Online, we'll talk about Bet Online a little bit more later on. But Bet Online has you covered this season with props, odds, and lines, and more than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. And of course, uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. And by the way, the numbers just came in. So last week, 46% up. From the week before. Now, of course, Giannis had a really big week. I think also we're getting close to the postseason, so people are starting to get a little bit excited here. But we really appreciate everyone listening and watching along the way. And uh, of course, subscribe wherever you catch us, but definitely on YouTube. We're seeing those numbers start to go up as well, which is cool for us because it's still a relatively new thing, Justin. But a couple losses on the weekend. It was a little bit of a weird one. The Clippers game in particular, the Robert Covington 43-point game, 11-3-point makes game, that one was kind of a throwaway. I think this Dallas game, people will read into it a little bit more, and they were in this game for a long part of it. But the afternoon, nobody likes the afternoon games. Giannis hates it. He mentioned again that he didn't get his sleep. The game was on a 3 a.m. on Monday morning for me. So I really, I felt like I was in Europe with our Greek friends who normally watch games at all hours of the night. So I don't like it either. So I like nothing about what went on today at Fireside Four. I think, um, so I think this is the first loss they've had this season in that time slot too, which is a rarity that I know by the numbers, they've been really bad. And and we kind of had the, it was a talking point off the air too, where where Dave Kane was like, "Well, they they beat the Knicks at that time slot. They beat the the uh, Suns in a, a two thirty game, and uh, the Celtics was the same thing." But yeah, we had to say like, "Well, yeah, this year. I mean, if you go back through the years, this team has really struggled with those, and Giannis especially struggled. He still got to I think twenty eight points, but he didn't look good, and there was a stretch, and it, it might have actually closed the game where he didn't have a field goal." from the um from the end of the third quarter near the end all the way until the final two minutes of the fourth he went without a field goal and he was just getting to the free throw line even then it wasn't a high volume so this was not a good game from Giannis it was another uh subpar game from Chris Middleton as well and you know when you looked around uh the floor they just didn't really have anybody that that you would look to and say well they played a pretty good game and 
you know, it, it's kind of a trend that we've seen from the last week. And the way you you set things up too of last week was a good week for the Bucks, and then you got to the weekend. It's true, but also, um, you know, that Nets game. It's, I guess, one of the reasons why. Look, I, I still would rather not have to worry about Kevin Durant in a first round series and, and set that up of your path. But I do think people are. It's not like the Miami Heat last year, but I do think people are getting a little too concerned over a team that clearly has flaws because. The Bucks, they won the game and they were great in the fourth quarter. They did not play anywhere near good in that game against the Brooklyn Nets, and it was still down to the wire there. So they didn't play good against the Nets. They did not play good today. They didn't play at all on Friday against the Clippers. So coming up here, we we're kind of talking off the air. I, I think you only have two games left that you're really going to take seriously, and that's your next two games this week, Thursday in Chicago and then or Tuesday in Chicago and Thursday against the Celtics, which that Celtics game is probably going to decide who gets second in the Eastern Conference. So you got to play well in those games just to get something going in the playoffs because we've talked about the importance of you want your defense you know, playing well and, and getting things turned around and play your best basketball moving into the playoffs. That extends to your best players as well. So in those games, you want to see Chris Middleton snap back and this is the trend that you've seen the the memes and the jokes on twitter of here's the cycle of chris middleton like it's nothing new he has games like this and then you know two three games later he bounces back to the guy that looks like the all-star so i expect him to get back there at, at some point this week but the big takeaway for me is just man even Giannis today wasn't good and no one has really played all that well outside of Giannis for the last week it will be interesting this week and Giannis said post game He's going to head to Chicago tomorrow. He's going to eat some deep dish pizza with his kids and uh, then hopefully play some good basketball the day after in Chicago. So, look, uh, I personally have felt that there's been a little bit of a different feel and this can go back a couple of weeks and the Bucs have had a really hard schedule. They've played a bunch of good teams. But maybe it's just me and maybe I'm looking into this more than what other people would because Dallas obviously are a really good team. They've got virtually the same record as the Bucs. I believe they're 49 and 30. The Bucs are yeah, 48 now they're, and 30. Now they're better, yeah. Yeah, so it, I think sometimes we look at the standings or we, we may overlook a team like Dallas because they're in the West. We don't watch them as much, but they're a good team and they're a good defensive team and the Bucs certainly did struggle today. But for the Bucs defense, so Luka Doncic, and let's be honest, he's been a player that's given the Bucs real problems over the last few years and it's not a problem that's... Uh, just it's not it's not yeah it's not <laughs> it, exclusive to the bucks that's right that's right this guy gives everyone problems but he had 32 points and the 15 assists is is what stands out because we've seen certain players around the league against this bucks defense where you're like okay they can score that's fine but when you're just carving up the defense like he was from a passing point of view that's where it becomes really difficult and there was certainly some frustration with the bucks defense again I'm not going to, like to me, after watching this team, what they did in the postseason last year, even watching what they've done in certain games this year against certain opponents, I don't particularly have the same level of concern or any stress about Bud and making adjustments in game because we've seen him do it. That was the one thing a year ago that you could have had a criticism for, for sure, and it would have been legitimate. But now we've seen it. Now, I'm not saying that the Bucs didn't want to win this game because they clearly did. Giannis played 40 minutes, which tells you that they wanted to win this game against a good team. But Luka was certainly causing them problems, particularly in pick-and-roll scenarios, and that's where he can either score, he can go to the step back, he can facilitate. But what did you see defensively? Because there was some frustration on the Twitter sphere after this game. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you noticed it early, and I think you kind of assumed it coming in as well that this isn't going to be a Brook game. The the, yeah. the Mavs were targeting him, targeting him in the first half and trying to get him in the pick and roll, and it, it was just a disaster when it happened. And, and we saw that last year, depending on the matchup as well. Um, but you know, to Bud's credit, it, it was really early into the game. We had the conversation off the air on the broadcast of. You could kind of see within those first couple of possessions, the Bucks went on a, I think a nine to nothing run, and it was eleven to two. And then the Mavs went on a similar run, and it was uh, tied at thirteen, I think, early on. But then after that, you started to see some things stand out, and that was Luka Doncic was just targeting Brook Lopez, getting him in that pick and roll, and taking advantage of it. And you just looked at, at the last few box scores, and you're like, you know. We kind of saw this against Brooklyn too. Uh, this feels like it's going to be like another 19 or 20 minute game from Brook. And I think that's what he finished at. Um, so Bud made the adjustment there and that, okay, I, I, I can't keep him on the floor that much longer. And I, I pretty much have to pull him off at some of these moments and, and put him out there exclusively in the, in the minutes that Luka Doncic was off the floor. So you saw, saw a lot of Brook in that second quarter and a little bit in the uh, third quarter as well. Um, but, you know, with Bobby Portis, he's obviously better in the uh, switch, but Luka Doncic was able to do the same thing to him as well. What did stand out to me most was the Bucks were, and we've seen this a couple of times this season, but they were just overhelping way too much aggressively <laughs> on defense where a couple of the possessions too were when Giannis was defending Luka Doncic and he'd get in the lane, and Giannis is in a pretty good position on Luka, and, and you're still having the help defenders come over. And you you mentioned the number of assists that Luka had. It was because the Bucs were just overhelping, and Luka had guys that were wide open, and Dallas started to heat up. So, you know, you look at things like that, I think it was pretty clear watching it too that, you know, with Dallas, with the lineup that they had today, with no Maxi Kleba, uh, Dwight Powell was – Basically, the only big that they played, Marquise Chris got in there for a couple of minutes, but that was it. You have to play small against this lineup. And, you know, if this was a playoff game, I would expect Bud is not going to play this and, and approach it the way that he did today, that you would start to see some adjustments. And if it's a playoff series, you would see the adjustments on, okay, we got killed over helping. Let's do this and, and, and let's not do this, just as they did against the Phoenix Suns last year in the final. So I'm with you in that. Let's not read too much into this. Yes, they wanted to win, but this was not a playoff series and it wasn't anything where, Oh, we got to figure this out because the bucks have figured most of this out. And I think that's what last year was really for. You would like to have some more consistency and at least be flashing a defense that, you know, looks like it's old self going into the playoffs. We've seen flashes of it, but we have, we still haven't seen it consistently outside of fourth quarter moments against the Sixers and against the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Cause if you look at the last month as successful as they've been, the defense has still been pretty mediocre. So I think that's the one thing you would point to, but uh, this, you know, it's a Western conference game. So as of right now, conference games are what's more important to you. And the two games Tuesday and Thursday are the really important ones against the bulls and against the Celtics. Not that this was a game the bucks didn't care about, but this wasn't on that scale. And, and so I think it was just a number of things of they did not shoot the ball very well. You had a lot of poor performances from, from offensive players you needed it from. And Brooke Lopez 
did not look very good offensively either. And that's kind of been a trend lately as well, that he's just settling for some really bad and tough shots. Um, so that's another thing you'd like to see improve. But this was just across the board, a not great performance. And, you know, again, if this is a playoff series, I think things look differently. And I think you do see those adjustments. So I, I'm not overly concerned by that. Uh, more on Giannis and Chris in a little bit. But if you have anything that you need to do earlier in the day, like potentially play an NBA game of basketball, for me, get up and watch a game of basketball. The way that you can get yourself fired up is with a built bar. We know that. The best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. And uh, look, we're into April now. So if you had New Year's resolutions, I would say a high percentage of people have already given up on them. But uh, if your resolution was dietary, and you wanted to stick to your resolution to eat right, you can do that with Built Bar because it feels like it's not really a resolution because you will you will actually enjoy eating them as well. They're low-calorie and high-protein. Protein. You can replace your candy bars with these because they're just better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but you're looking at 130 with a Built Bar uh, with most of the Built Bars there. And the flavors, we've got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, uh, the white chocolate cookies and cream as well. So they're always coming up with new flavors. Just go to built.com and you'll be able to see all the new flavors they've got monthly, weekly. They've got specials so you can go and check it all out. Just go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Now podcast. You'll see little recaps. Uh, sometimes I put them on Twitter. You'll see the little recap videos that I do, and uh, that's basically makes up the Locked On Now podcast so you can go around the league and find out what happened uh, the night before. Uh, just with Chris Milton, and you know, clearly he did have his struggles tonight or this afternoon, as you pointed to, and I saw a few tweets, and, and this is always the case. Chris Milton... No matter what he's done, he has a few bad games and the criticism will come. He was three for 14 uh, in this game here today against Dallas. But I, I did notice something, and I think it was during the third quarter, or it might have been the second quarter, where he was fouled. It was an and one situation. He sort of landed uh, on the ground and he was grabbing his wrist, shaking out his wrist after that play. It was just very subtle. It happened very quickly. But we know that he has missed a couple of games wrist recently soreness, with yeah. wrist soreness and I think we all kind of look at that and sort of raise our eyebrow and say, okay, is this real? Is this just getting some late season maintenance? How much of an issue is this really? Now, I, I believe it's his left wrist, so it's not his shooting hand. And it's I'm not uh, saying that this is any reason or excuse for why he, he didn't play well today. I, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But it was just interesting to see that visual because, again, we don't know a, not, a lot about this injury, but... I don't know where it happened or how it happened or, or how long he's been dealing with it, but that's probably the first piece of evidence I've seen to suggest that he actually has got some kind of issue there. Yeah, um, I noticed that on the replay as well. And, you know, with with Chris, it was really – the struggles were mostly contained to the fourth quarter, and th that's where mm. the team just couldn't get anything going. They had a couple of stretches – in this game where it was just turnovers that, that kind of plagued them. The Mavs had some similar stretches as well, but, you know, Chris Middleton, I, we mentioned the numbers and, you know, it, by the numbers, it wasn't a great game, but it took him a while to, to kind of uh, get going. And, you know, in the first half, I think he took five shots, but it was the fourth quarter that, that built up a lot of those issues for him where, 
he was just one of seven, zero of two on his threes. He did get the to the free throw line three times, so scored four points there. But he took seven shots to get there. Um, take take that out of the mix, and he was two of seven going into the fourth, which still isn't great. But it was the fourth quarter where a lot of those issues came. But with Chris, um, you know, I will say, and this has kind of been the theme with him as well, is even on the nights where it's just not falling and he's not having a good offensive performance. And we've seen it recently a couple of times. He's still invested in the game and he's still making an impact elsewhere where, you know, tonight or today he had nine assists and I think he only had two or three turnovers. Um, But he, he's still getting his numbers elsewhere where he's getting his teammates involved and um, still, you know, involved in the game plan that way. It's just, you know, we've seen enough of him to know, it just takes with Drew Holiday too. It just typically takes one or two shots for him to find that spot and see the shot fall and get into his rhythm. And and it just couldn't happen. And I think the frustrating part was he had some pretty good matchups in this game. Like if you go back to Brooklyn where he had some struggles, we've seen that before where Bruce Brown is (laughs) a really, really bad matchup for Chris Middleton. We saw it at times in the playoff series and we saw it in the regular season last year too. But Bruce Brown is pretty similar size to him. He's a really good individual defender, obviously, and he's got long reach. So he just makes it, – it's a tough matchup. But today, he was able to really target and, and get those matchups. He was able to get on Jalen Brunson quite a bit in this game and a, a few times as well and Spencer Dinwiddie. But he would get good looks and they wouldn't fall. And to me, that was kind of the story for this team is – you know, I mentioned you, you didn't have a great game across the board. Um, I guess the one area where that may be inaccurate is I thought the shot quality the Bucks got in this game was actually pretty good. It's it's a lot of those shots or looks that you want to get, and they didn't fall. I think if you were going to question the quality of some of the shots in this game, it would probably be some of the shots that Brooke Lopez took. But Chris was able to get those matchups we talked about. Giannis, uh, again, and we saw this uh, the other day as well, just inexplicably was missing some shots near and at the rim, which, you know, it seems like it never happens, but there were a few again today. So I felt like the Bucks were were getting good quality shots. It, it was just they weren't falling. And, you know, when that happens and when your defense is overhelping and, and letting Luka Doncic get his teammates involved the way he did, it, it spells disaster. And, and I do think, too, we pointed out on the pregame show you know, the Mavs have obviously been one of the best teams in the league for the last couple of months. And, and really the Mavs and and uh, Celtics have been the, the best teams in the league since what January 1st, but the Bucks and the Mavs in the last month have maybe been the two best teams in the league where in March, the Bucks were 11 and three, the Mavs were 12 and four, and they were a combined 14 and zero in games where you got to the clutch situations. Bucks went eight. No, the Mavs went six and zero. And the Mavs have been one of the best teams in that spot. And I think watching the game today, you see why. If you don't watch a lot of Dallas Mavericks basketball, because Luka Doncic, as you pointed out, he's not just for the Bucs. He's a tough matchup for all teams. And, you know, the frustrating part was Luka hit three threes, but two of them were step backs over Giannis where he perfectly contested the shot. One was over Bobby Portis where he was in a pretty good spot as well. So the toughest threes he took were the three that he made. But Luca's ability to hit those shots and score, but how he gets his teammates involved, that is why the Mavs are so good in these clutch situations because Luca can take over and it's tough to defend there. 
but he creates such high quality shots for his teammates that, you know, even if you don't have a traditional number two type star, Luca creates the shots that, you know, make that player look like a star. Yeah, the Mavericks have been playing really well since they traded Porzingis as well. And obviously Spencer Dinwiddie's played some good basketball, but they leaned into the small ball stuff. It seems to be working for them. Uh, the other stat that hurt the Bucs tonight, they were minus nine in free throw attempts. And it's interesting when you look at the threes, the Bucs shot the ball really well early in the game from the three-point yeah. line. Uh, but really, anyone not named Giannis, Chris, or Wesley Matthews, uh, they shot the ball really well. But Giannis was 0 for 3 from 3, Chris Milton 0 for 4. Wesley Matthews 0 for 3, who, by the way, Wesley Matthews minus 27 in his 17 minutes. Didn't go well when he was on the floor today. And interestingly enough, as you mentioned, Bobby Portis, they were plus 11 in his 22 minutes there as they sort of did go uh, go small there. So some of those numbers are interesting. I, I do want to bring up uh, the foul on Giannis. Now, this there was actually a pool report with the officials after the game, which surprised me a little bit. But I want to get to that after I talk about our friends at betonline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the, find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's, this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews uh, for all sorts of different leagues around uh, the world as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. You can find where Giannis sits in the MVP uh, battle with the odds there. You can find where the Bucks sit in the championship. Maybe you want to double those up. The Bucks for the title, Giannis for MVP, Giannis for Defensive Player of the Year. You can find all the odds related to the Milwaukee Bucks at betonline.net. That's betonline where the game starts. So this foul came with 5.06 left in the third quarter. Uh, there was a turnover. Skip ahead pass to Giannis. He's got Reggie Bullock there. And what's he really going to do? There's nothing he can do. He knew that. So he sort of just wrapped up Giannis. And quite honestly, I mean, he did it relatively safely, I would say. It was no high contact. It didn't look like there was any real, you know, potential for injury, which is ultimately why it wasn't a flagrant or anything like that. I was just surprised that they went to a pool report. So sometimes if there's a controversial play, a controversial call, a reporter will be able to ask the officials for an explanation on why the play occurred the way it did. So they did this for this play, which is interesting. And that was basically the feedback they got. No high contact, no unnecessary contact. My question would be, and this goes back to last week where Chris Middleton got ejected in Brooklyn. And I was at the time a little surprised that Chris Milton got ejected. But at the same time, I don't really have a major problem if they want to stamp out those types of fouls. Like, do I think that Chris Milton was trying to hurt Bruce Brown? Of course he wasn't. That's not who Chris Milton is. But I'm fine if they want to continue to throw people out for these fouls because really in that situation, yes, you want to go for the block, but it was unlikely he was going to be able to do that. You don't want someone getting hurt. Well, but, but, but with the Giannis one, my only point that i would make here and we see this in the nbl in australia that's an unsportsmanlike foul which is two free throws and the ball so it doesn't have to be dangerous but again it's the intentional foul he didn't make a play on the ball he didn't make a play on the ball so my my point of view is that it falls in that category and i wish that that would come in to the league well and i was a little surprised because i mean it it was it was it was flagrant that he didn't make a play on the ball like it was blatant there so i was surprised there wasn't even a hesitation 
to like let's review this and make sure like i i thought they were going to go to the monitors and, and we would be told like oh it's under review for a flagrant and they would ultimately come back and say no because there was no intent behind it and he wrapped him up and he wasn't airborne so you know those are the areas you would look to and say well yeah it, it was it, i guess if you're a bucks fan you can question why isn't this a flagrant but he wasn't airborne and i think that was the big thing but he didn't make a play on the ball and you know when these rules first started to change that was one of the big things put in play of you got to make a play for the ball you got to make a basketball play so that's what surprised me was you're not even gonna like review this like you're not gonna go to the monitor even if it's ultimately ruled hey there was no malicious intent and and we thought he wrapped him up and, and didn't put him in harm so it's fine fine but there was no play in the ball and i think that's that's what really stood out to to me and to everybody that was in the broadcast booth today as well that we all kind of commented on commented on that and the middleton play too i'm the exact same as you that i don't have a problem with it being called a flagrant two i saw a lot of outrage i would have called it a flagrant one but if if the goal is let's eliminate these plays then fine. Like this is the way you do it. And I know people say, well, that's the most exciting or one of the most exciting plays in basketball. And it is, but there's maybe five guys that make that play exciting. Like Chris Middleton is not one of those guys. <laughs> Ultimately the upside, it's not there. Chris Middleton is not going to block Bruce Brown uh, there. I, I just didn't see what the gain was from it. And he doesn't make that contestion if Bruce Brown doesn't slow up and it just goes in all the way. So if you're trying to re remove those plays fine and to worry over, well, these are exciting plays of the chase down blocks. Sure. They are when LeBron does it, when Giannis does it, when Rudy Gobert does it, you know, Carl Anthony towns, players like that, but it's, it's not wing players for the most part doing it. So that's the way you get rid of that play. Yeah, I mean, I could bang on about it all the time that I think the unsportsmanlike foul for any type of take foul is what, you want to bring in including when the bucks do it and by the right. way i will i will say i will use the example of uh the Kyrie situation where Kyrie was complaining after the game and just carrying on like like usual and but the foul on Kyrie irving on Giannis, where Giannis, you know attempted to take a charge which by the way i think that the percentage chances of Giannis being able to get a charge in that situation <laughs> was extremely extremely low but that doesn't fall into the a, a take foul for me because he was a Regardless of whether it was, you know, he was going to be able to draw that charge, uh, he didn't just wrap a guy up or intentionally foul them. Like, I don't think that that falls in that category. I don't really know why Kyrie was upset about it, but I, I think that that plays a little bit different. Uh, before we wrap this up, because we have to do it, standings watch. Now, as we record this, Sunday evening, Around midnight central time, Justin Garcia staying up late for Lockdown Bucks, which we absolutely appreciate. We just watched WrestleMania, Stone Cold, stunnering Vince McMahon, taking us back to our childhood. But the Bucks are currently in third right now. Uh, mm -hmm. They are in a tie with Philadelphia, but we know that the Bucks have the tiebreaker there. But 48 and 30, the Bucks and Sixers in three and four. Celtics are 49 and 30, so half a game up. And then Miami's looking pretty comfortable in the one seed. Uh, right now as it currently stands perhaps the more interesting aspect is brooklyn but by virtue of not having really any of the tiebreakers that they need they're currently in the 10th seed so obviously they're not falling out of the play-in in fact they're locked into the play-in uh, the knicks are too far behind there but there's a real possibility that the nets will have to play two playing games 
to get to the eighth seed. Now, of course, that could still change. But as it currently sits, that looks like a relatively realistic scenario that they're going to have to really battle to get the eighth seed here. Uh, we've been talking about the Nets for so many reasons, and I totally agree with what you said earlier in this podcast. I think the game the other night, regardless of if you want to look at it glass half full from a Bucks perspective and say there is a lot more room for improvement, I agree with that. But the reality is that game should have been enough to tell you that that is not a series. So anyone that has the idea that it would be an easy series, I heavily dispute that. So I would definitely sign up to see Miami and Brooklyn go at it in the first round. That seems like something I would enjoy watching from a yeah. from a, a neutral fan perspective. PJ Tucker and Kevin Durant, give me that matchup again. But I guess the other aspect of this in the Boston-Milwaukee game later in the week could decide, as you pointed to, where the Bucks finish. But it is looking a little more likely that we could be looking at a Chicago, Toronto, Cleveland in the first round. Uh, but again... This can change in a couple of nights. We'll see what the Bucks do in these two games. But it's wild. It's been wild. I can't remember a, a playoff race quite like this. Yeah, I it's. I don't think it's going to be Cleveland, but I think it's going to be Chicago or. Well, no, I shouldn't say. It. Well, no, I do because <laughs> um, I, I I just think the Cavs are are running out of gas here, and I don't think the Cavs would get out of the play-in tournaments even if they start to get Ooh, some guys back. Two losses. Yeah, I guess that's realistic. Well, yeah, because realistically, if the season were to end today, I know everything we've said about all of these teams, the same applies here to Atlanta of like, well, we're, Atlanta's defense isn't the greatest, but look at the Cavs offense. And if I'm Cleveland, you know, or any team in that seven through 10 range, Trey Young isn't a guy that I want to have to face in a one game series yeah. that determines everything. So I would take the Hawks to beat the Cavs in that seven, eight matchup. Then that means you're playing potentially the Brooklyn Nets for the eighth seed, and they're not beating Brooklyn. So I think this is the end of the line for the Cavaliers. So if you're the Bucks, you hope you get up to second, and it's you know maybe it's Atlanta. I, I would be fine with that, um, or you finish where you currently are, and it's either Chicago or Toronto. Hopefully Chicago, um, but that's I don't the play idea. Toronto. I don't, yeah, I don't either. And I, I think it's kind of similar. I, I, I would expect the Bucks to win in that series, but it's, it's similar to the, the Nets discussion where it's, it's kind of like basically uh, that series is it's the series version of Javon Carter as a player. If, if James Harden is being defended by Javon Carter, James Harden is going to, going to win that matchup more often than not, but Javon Carter is going to make him go the length of the floor and make it difficult for him. That's what this series is against the Raptors and against the Brooklyn Nets, where maybe you win it in five games, but those are going to be five highly contested down to the wire games and tough. And it's not what you want going into a second round series. You want to be pressed and challenged a little bit, but it, it doesn't want to be a man. This feels like a real war out here. And, and that's what you would have. I think with uh, the Toronto Raptors, it's, it's really interesting though. I mean, I did not anticipate it to get to this levels where, uh, Brooklyn is currently still 10th. They do not have the tiebreaker to the Charlotte Hornets. So they finish in that 9-10 line. As you mentioned, they can't get to seven. They're they're only playing for the eight yeah. seed, which would be ideal for the Bucks because I, I agree, nobody's taken down the heat at this point for the one seed. Um, but that whole seven through 10, it's interesting because 
the Cavs are somewhat comfortable where they have a two-game advantage in the loss column over the Hornets and the Nets with four games or five games, I think, left. Um, three games left for the Cavs. Um, two-game advantage in the loss column, one-game advantage in the loss column over the Hawks, but they don't have the tiebreaker over any of those three teams. So if you're Cleveland, it can't come down to a tie situation the Nets have a really easy schedule. And I've seen a lot of people say, yeah, they're two back in the loss column and, and they don't have the tiebreaker to the Hornets. Um, they have a game yet with the Cavs and they would get the tiebreaker if they win that game. So I kind of feel like the Nets are going to finish either seventh or eighth. And what I would counter with is, yes, the schedule is easy. But even when they've gotten Kevin Durant back and even when they've had Kyrie on the floor, what have you seen from this team? that leads you to believe they have that type of stretch where regardless of the schedule, they can win those four games. And all of a sudden they finish the season in the seventh spot and get that seventh seed in the playoffs. Um, so it, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, usually, you know, well, one through three, like it was last year, if that's what's going to come down to the wire at the very end. And maybe it's seven and eight and they'll jockey for position, but it rarely matters. And this year, it's like three separate groupings where one through four, anything was on the table. And now we're starting to see a little separation from Miami seven through 10, same thing. Any of those teams up until last night, when, when Charlotte and, and Brooklyn were just relegated to the play and any of those teams can still finish seven through 10. And then the bulls and Raptors are currently tied. So you have three separate groups where you have no idea what it could be. You can't even start to project, well, if you fall down to four, that means you're going to get this team or this team has started to separate itself in the six line. So if you finish third, you know, you'll get that, that this is all going to come down to Saturday and Sunday before you have any idea. And, you know, I, I still, like we said at the top of the podcast, I just feel like you're going to see a Bucks team that plays to win the game on Tuesday against the Bulls. They do the same on Thursday against the Celtics, and that that is the game that's going to decide who finishes second or third in the Eastern Conference. The Bucs need that game to avoid the Celtics taking the tiebreaker, and then it would come down to conference record. Right now, they've each lost 18 games in conference. The Celtics have played two more games, so that's a really important game on a number of fronts. Uh, but after that, the Pistons on Friday is night two of a back-to-back. -back. We saw how they treated their last one of those. And this one has even less significance as you head into the final weekend. And then Sunday against the Cavs. I mean, we're probably going to get to a spot where by the time that game tips off, we know the Heat have secured the one seed. Depending on what you do with the Celtics on Thursday, you may know you've secured the two or the three seed, that this is going to be a meaningless game for you. And the Cavs are going to need to win that game to stay out of the 9-10 line or to make sure that they're the seventh seed and have home court in that 7-8 matchup. So I think it comes down to these two games, Tuesday and Thursday for the Bucks, and then the rest of it is just, well, enjoy some time off until next Saturday or Sunday when the playoffs begin. And the league knows what it's doing. They've released the schedule for the final day, which they held off. This came out a couple of hours ago as we're recording this. So the Bucks and Cavs game is actually going to be a 2.30 p.m. Central time tip uh, again early games not not the favorite of most people i would suggest uh, but at it's also it's 30 and not noon that's true it's a little bit better for me uh but uh the other games on in the afternoon include brooklyn atlanta and charlotte so the league knows so the Cavs will be playing they might not know but they'll probably know that they're playing for something 
So it's uh, yeah. that's that's going to be an exciting way for the regular season to finish. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, the Bucks are in the the first wave of games, and it's interesting because all of those teams are all playing at uh, two thirty. The the Nets, the the Nets, the Hornets, the Cavs, and the Hawks. So. The Celtics play later in the night. The Heat play later in the night. And then the Bulls and I think Raptors um, both play. Or the Bulls just play. The Raptors, I don't think, play that day. They do, sorry. So they all play later in the night. So they're taking care of the play-in tournament teams in the 2.30 slots. And then the rest of the conference is 6 o'clock, 7.30, 8.30, kind of staggered. Well, we'll find out. It's going to be an interesting week, nonetheless. Playoffs only uh, a week or so, week and a half away here, which is kind of ridiculous to think about, but it's going to be fun. Uh, big games this week, so stick with us on Lockdown Bucks throughout the week for the pregame stuff, for the postgame stuff. Uh, we'll have a bit of fun there. But for Justin and myself, we'll leave it there for Monday. Catch you guys tomorrow.